0: Welcome to the Hunt Harder Podcast, where we will give you the strategies, tools, and tactics to be the best hunter you can be. Now let's get this started. What's up my fellow savages out there? So we're gonna, we're gonna actually go right into the introduction here. Uh, I have a gentleman by the name of Max Layton. He is a, a good friend of my buddy Shane's that I've, I've had on a previous podcast already that is, uh, that is published. And so Shane gave me a, a small list of uh, people I need to get on the podcast, and Max was uh, one of these guys. And um, so the, this is actually the podcast you're about to hear is the first time I've actually spoke with Max. He's from Southern Colorado in a town called Pueblo and uh not not i mean we're talking 30 miles from where i grew up actually east of where i grew up so i'm very familiar with the area and uh so max has been hunting a a good portion of his life he is a uh he guides elk hunts but the guys hunted uh all over the map he's a he's a big time turkey hunter he has a mullet (laughs) that's right max you have a mullet and uh it was a great podcast one of my one of the my favorite ones i've done so far and uh, some good information, some really great stories. We talk about the the mental game. We talk about, obviously, the, the training and preparation going into hunts. And uh, we'll definitely have Max on again. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Max, how you doing?
1: Good, Bubba. What's going on? Sorry, man. I got a seven-week-old baby. I guess a little fussy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know what that's like. I have two of them, so I got strapped. Not...
1: I got a strap to me like an Indian squaw right now. Is he is actually on you right now? Oh yeah, that's
0: that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, well, thanks for hopping on, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Sounds oh, like absolutely.
1: you're
0: sounds like you're more than busy.
1: Yeah, that's all right though. I always have time to talk about hunting.
0: Yeah, man. That's yeah. That's what's well, one of the reasons I got you on. So Shane. Um, I don't know if it was the last time I spoke with him or, or what, but he, he kind of gave me a list of people I needed to get on the podcast. And your name was on that list. And um, so I'm glad we're able to hop on here. So, um, so you're, so I, I, kind of pulled up Facebook and Instagram. And so this is, so uh, for our listeners, this is the first time that Max and I've actually talked and um, you know, so it looks like you've obviously done a lot of hunting and, Um, you know, I'm looking at elk, I'm looking at turkeys, I'm looking at mountain lions and some nice mule deer and, um, and things like that. So usually with the, well, let me tell you kind of the, the, the main kind of theme of the podcast first before we get started. So, um, a a buddy of mine, Mike Barnes, uh, who is uh, a strength conditioning coach and he, um, me and him hooked up uh, probably about 10 years ago. And, um, recently we both have kind of saw a need for, quality uh you know i guess strength and conditioning information in the hunting space uh, because we kind of see it's it's pretty far behind as far as quality information and you know the things that we mostly see out there now are uh you know you know hunters that, that are on television that talk about their own personal fitness programs and but we don't see a, a whole lot um, of, of professional strength and conditioning practitioners really talking about um, how to develop a fitness program for hunters. And I guess it is, it's kind of, uh, it's unique in the, in that, um, you know, hunting is very, it's very broad, you know, so you have people that hunt out of blinds and, uh, you know, for, for whatever game, and then you have people that really get after it, hunt for elk in the mountains and bighorn and mountain goat. And so there's a big, big difference in, I guess the physical demands and even mental demands of, of, uh, of any kind of hunt. So, but, uh, you know, that being said, we also want to focus on hunting as well. So this is going to, it's kind of, you know, I think we're probably going to evolve with the podcast as far as uh, what we learned from our, our guests and even our listeners. But um, we, we don't want to lose track of the the fact that this is a hunting podcast and we'll all 100% give uh, information on hunting strategies and and things specifically geared toward hunting stuff. So. Um, but what I like, what I like to do, what I've like to do first with people is kind of just take us through your, your hunting journey from maybe as, as soon as you started hunting and, uh, maybe where you're from and maybe kind of what, what you're doing now with hunting and, and that kind of stuff. So,
1: okay. Well, I was born in Pueblo, Colorado and I started hunting with my grandpa and, oh, I don't know about the first, and my grandpa's 91 years old. I still hunt with him today. He actually killed a cow last year. And I grew up hunting poof, just about anything from ducks and geese to elk. I was with him when he killed a bighorn sheep. And I've hunted a lot. My favorites are probably, as you said, deer, elk, and turkeys, as you can see on most of my social media platforms. But I started hunting turkeys when I was in college. Uh, I got a real good friend named Johnny Miller. And we started turkey hunting all over the United States, Mississippi, Kansas, Arkansas. If there's turkeys there, we probably hunted it. Yeah. and You know, I'll I'll stop you there. Let me, I didn't know that you knew Johnny. Um, Oh, yeah. Johnny was one of my best friends.
0: Yeah. So I, I actually started developing a, a really, I mean, I grew up, me and him both grew up in Florence, Colorado and, you know, he's quite a bit older than I was. So I, you know, I think he had just got, graduated high school when I was coming into high school and um, you know, but he reached out to me, I guess about a year and a half or so ago. And um, you know, he wanted to you know start getting in shape for, for hunting and um, a couple of other different reasons. And then um well, I guess obviously you know he passed away uh, not too long ago and god what a what an amazing guy, probably the most passionate guy especially about turkey hunting I've ever met. Um, but uh just an unbelievable guy. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of Oh yeah. And
1: there. man, I never even thought about shooting a turkey. I was like this it's got to be like shooting a pillow. Yeah. And one of my buddies in college, it was spring break, he said, "Hey, I know this guy in Texas. Let's go down there and let's shoot a turkey." I was like, you know what, that's fine. I'll probably shoot some pigs or an oddhead while and there I'll go. And nice. I met Johnny. And we hit it off because he was from the same area I was from. And from Texas, I uh, came back to school for a weekend. And I went to Kansas, met Johnny. Then we went to Nebraska the next weekend. And then we went to Kentucky for a week. And I missed a final and failed a math class. And we always laughed about it. We said, who <laughs> really needs math?
0: Yeah. funny. <laughs> like so, oh, yeah, go ahead, yeah, yeah, so, um, so it sounds like well, you hunted with your your grandpa when you were it sounds like pretty young, um, and then Johnny's kind of the one w- would you say that when you met Johnny you that kind of sparked uh I guess more of a a passion or maybe even obsession for
1: hunting, yeah, it built the fire big time, especially when it came to turkeys. I've always had a very heavy passion for elk hunting, yeah but it brought turkeys right up to the exact same level
0: what so that would have been so you were in college so that would have been your early 20s right
1: yep i was about 19 20
0: when i met okay so so take us through that process so you know what what do you think it was about turkey honey the one that kind of sparked it in you um, take us through kind of, uh, that, that whole process, you know, I mean, um, as, as much as you can remember anyway, as far as, you know, what exactly, uh, you know, sparked you, I know for me, you know, I didn't really get the obsession, obsession bug until I was probably about 12 or 13. And, you know, that was, you know, had a lot to do with my dad just, you know, really dragging me along on all of his hunts, you know, before I was probably 12 or 13, I didn't really, you know, I mean, it was fun for me but it was more work than anything. And I, you know, it was kind of like, ah, I don't really want to get up at, you know, two or three in the morning and and go sit in cold weather and, you know, stand or whatever. So it kind of sucked for me. And then I I don't know what it was specifically, probably, um, you know, I think it maybe was a little bit of watching hunting videos and, uh, you know, looking for sheds was always a big thing for us and, um, you know, I think just I don't know what it is. I think it might it's probably partly something that's just inside of you that maybe it just gets exposed um at some point. Uh, because I you know, my brother and sister didn't really get the bug like I did, even though they were kind of, you know, drug along with me mm-hmm. at the same time. But if you can remember kind of what it was that um maybe you can help relate to people Yeah. As far I mean, as getting the
1: bug. I can remember that turkey hunt vividly. We were sitting on top of a big spine ridge down in Junction, Texas, surrounded by scrub brush. And the sun just started to crack. Mm-hmm. And those turkeys just started firing off. Bow, 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 one after another. And I remember sitting there, and I started to shake with adrenaline like I did when I was shooting a bull. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, this is this is something else. And then yeah. Johnny leaned over and said, do you hear that? And you could hear... <laughs> and I was like what is that sound he goes that's that turkey drumming and you could hear that turkey (laughs) vibrate sound like somebody with a cell phone 20 yards away on vibrate you just right I remember that turkey the sun was just coming up and he went into full strut and you could see the sun just coming through the fan and man that burned into my memory and I, I killed that bird and it was awesome and down in Texas you can shoot four turkeys right. I remember Johnny looked at me and he said so you still want to go shoot pigs and I was I was hooked
0: <laughs> that's awesome you know and I, I can't you know I when I you know I spoke with Johnny uh you know quite a bit in at the time that I that I had with him and you know when you're it's so funny and you know, I remember talking to him and you know, we'd start talking about you know deer hunting or something and it always ended on, on him t- talking about turkey hunting, and you know I, I really enjoy hunting turkeys. I, you know I just you know I just for whatever reason never got the the crazy obsession with it. But um, it, I can definitely see the excitement of it though. I mean having a, a, a big old tom out there strutting towards you, you know calling and gobbling and all that kind of stuff. And um, but you know with him it was he, he did, you know he just loved talking about turkey hunting specifically so much that it it almost drives you nuts
1: oh yeah so johnny (laughs) had one nickname that i everyone that i ever met in the united states knew him by and it was jmtk johnny miller turkey killer because that is all he talked about
0: yeah Yeah, it's just you know when people you know I, i don't know you've probably been around enough hunters at this point um you know, there's certain people that kind of boast about, you know, they're, they're, they're essentially bragging. I mean, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, unfortunately, and I, I mean, we probably both have gotten caught up in it. It becomes kind of a pissing contest at times, mm-hmm. but you know, I think you can, I think that could be done in a funny, healthy way. Um, but I, you know, I, I think a lot of people are a lot of times are just trying to show off, but with Johnny, uh, you know, you could just tell he was just so passionate about it. You that know, every time he talks passion. Oh my gosh. He's, I remember, you know, I was talking about calls with him. You know, I just, I just threw out that word because, you know, I'm trying to kind of keep a conversation Oh, he going. opened
1: Pandora's box with that one.
0: <laughs> he, I'll tell you what, he started <laughs> talking about all these different calls and, you know, the specifics. I mean, it's really, it's kind of how I talk about, um, I guess, fitness at the, the biological level or whatever, mm-hmm. but he started going on about all these different calls. I'm like, dude, I, I've been hunting my whole life. I don't know what the heck you're talking about right oh. now. <laughs>
1: Then that's how it was. So, and I think one of the biggest things that really got me into the turkey scene, because I've hunted elk with the same five guys my whole life. And the big thing with the turkeys was I'd go with Johnny and I'd meet all these amazing people who Mm -hmm. are now some of my best friends. Right. And I mean, I have guys coming here the first week of April for her first opening weekend of Turkey season from Missouri, Kansas, and Nebraska that i met mm-hmm. with Johnny. And right. uh, the week after we're just going to go hit state to state. Right. And so I think a big thing for me more than killing an animal is being out, you know, in God's country and everything like that, but definitely the camaraderie, like the friends you meet and the people you meet are a big yeah.
0: thing for me. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, they're usually, there's usually a person that that's involved in that, that, that first spark or obsession with most people, you know, for me, I think it was probably obviously my dad mm-hmm. um, or, you know, but then I, I meet guys like, you know, Shane and, you know, they have it, they have a, uh, you know, it's, it's usually a similar story, but, there's a a different obsession, you know, a little, there's a little bit different thing. And you're like, Oh, that's kind of, and for me, I'm super curious person, you know? And I'm like, huh, I wonder what, I wonder what he's doing that. Why the reason he's so obsessed or why he enjoys, you know, this so much. Um, It just happens to be that me and him really enjoy a lot of the same things. Oh, like Um, you guys in the sheds, all the shed. Yeah. So that's a, that's probably the biggest one. If I'm out turkey
1: hunting and find sheds, I just leave them in Shane's driveway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There you go, buddy. Yeah,
0: I know. Well, I mean, even us, you know, we're at the point now. It's like, I mean, I like to. It's almost more about. I think it's a little bit different for for both of us and most people that do that. But you know, even just finding them, just for just that part of it, you know, I mean, not even necessarily, um, you know, being able to take them back or whatever. You know, some people obviously sell them mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But you know, it's it's a great uh, a great way to scout. Even you know, we were talking the last time we were out. Uh, just hiking around and stuff like it's a, it's a good way to see animals that you never like those bucks and and bulls that just hang out in timber year yeah, round that you'll never find. You never find them until you know. And the only the only reason you know they're there is if you you know maybe find a jet or something, maybe you got a trail cam up or something obviously, but um, but yeah, usually somebody that's involved in that first spark, uh, you know. And I think yeah, uh, you know, all of us kind of have that person and. And then, you know, you start meeting new people and they have a, you know, a little bit different angle on how they approach things. And I think that's why one of the big reasons I really love, I, I should say obsessed with hunting and even fishing in the outdoors is, it, I, you know, I don't know. It's, I think it's maybe something that's built in a lot of us. Um, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know too many people that are as passionate about what they do. Um, whether it's a hobby or, you know, even, you know, for me, you know, outfitting and um, you know, it's, it's even part of my, my career, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, you know, but there, yeah, there's, there's nothing, I I, I haven't found anybody as passionate about um, hunting, whatever that looks like for most people than, you know, than, you know, hunters and how they are passionate about hunting is just uh, it's next level stuff, man. Even people that do it, um, you know, if it's just a weekend warrior type person, I mean,
1: Thanks to them. Uh, they go as hard as they physically can.
0: Yeah. I, so I, I guide quite I a few know, elk hunts every of, year.
1: And, you know, I meet these guys okay. from Pennsylvania, Ohio, stuff like that. And they okay. train as much as they can out there, whether it be like an altitude mask with a backpack with sandbags in it, anything right. to just try to get in shape. And yeah, the guys yeah. building the model airplanes. Okay. They're not doing that.
0: Right. right. So, okay. So I guess we'll, you know, we'll take a turn and start talking about that. So, um, so, so you guide Elk
1: Hunts. Uh, yes. is, it, is it Colorado somewhere? Or? Yep. Uh, up in the San de Cristo mountain range and in the wet gotcha. mountains. Gotcha.
0: Okay. So, you know, if you're doing that, then yeah, this will, this will kind of tie right into what we're kind of what the theme is. So Um, so let's talk about what would you say, you know, the people that you guide or even yourself, um, what would you say the limiting factor is in their success?
1: Their mind. Okay. Like people see these steep hills and I've, I do it myself. Sometimes I've gone up that hill 40 times before (laughs) and it sucked every time, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you got to do it and. The thing I always tell people is, is it going to suck tomorrow? Is it going (laughs) to suck from a year from now? But if you get up there and kill that bull, you're going to remember that. You're not going to remember the terrible walk. You're Mm -hmm. not going to remember any of that. What you're going to remember is what you went through to achieve your goal. I think a big thing is mind over matter. And, of course, physical fitness is a definite. Like I live, I don't know, 400 yards from Shane okay and i see shane running up and down the street and i put on my kafaru bag with two plates in it and i'll walk four and a half miles right and i do it three times a week even when it's not hunting season because mm-hmm. i guess we're just always training for the next 365 days from the time you pull a trigger
0: so what okay that's no that's really great information so so, that so I said, you know, limiting factor, and you know, it's funny, Shane said the same thing, and even my dad really said the same thing. Um, and a couple other people that I've, I've had on so far, um, they, they kind of we always come back to, you know, your, your mind is really kind of the limiting factor in a lot of these sense, and I would 100% agree. What, what about from a physical standpoint?
1: Physical standpoint, oh, I would say like longevity. Of how far you can go. Okay. Like to be physically tone enough.
0: So, like endurance, then?
1: Yeah, to push the extra half mile. Right. And, man, back and legs is pretty much everything I try to work on.
0: So, you know, you even mentioned, you know, looking, you know, you said, you know, looking up at that hill and knowing that, you know, to give yourself the best opportunity to get a shot off on something. Um, you know, it's something you just have to do. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I, me, and it's probably easier for me. I I work things out in my mind now. Where you know, what's the worst case? I get some exercise. You know, like yeah, exactly. I, I I get in better shape, even though I might get to the top of this hill or this mountain, and you know, things don't really you know come together as far as the actual hunt. Well, well, you know what? I just got better. I got you know fitter or whatever. You know, so um, and I go for anything. You know, it's like if you're out there. Um, And you you can find all these other things, like you're out with your good friends, you're out with an awesome guy, you know, it's, it's all these, there's all these other reasons, you know, besides, obviously, we all want to, you know, take a nice animal. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, you can say, like, look, I mean, I, you know, regardless of whether I'm successful on this particular stock, or this particular hunt, you know, what are some of the positive things, because, I don't know any other, or I guess you want if you want to call uh, hunters athletes, but I don't I don't know um, any other sport where if, when you're not successful or, you know even let's say you you get an opportunity and a shot off on the biggest bowl or the biggest buck of your life and you miss, I don't know, a I mean I mean obviously there are worse feelings out there, um, but it, there's not a whole lot of things that are more <laughs> disappointing then uh than, you know getting a shot off especially getting a shot off on something and, and missing it you oh, know so
1: yeah failing yourself last year i missed a 370 bull. there you go and with my rifle which <laughs> i don't miss with a rifle hardly ever and right. i still i wake up in the morning and i replay that shot in my mind all the time
0: yeah so what so okay so let's talk about that so uh, we'll talk about the specific hunt that you just mentioned and then talk about, uh, I guess go through that first and off some questions after that.
1: Okay. The uh, buddy of mine and I we were watching this bull for three days before season. He had about 60 cows with him and we knew right where he was going to be. He'd been in the same oh. Valley for, I don't know, a week and a half. And so we... Get down in there and we get across from him. We had not much of a crosswind, about five miles an hour. And he was at 318 yards. And I'd been shooting my rifle all year long, hundreds of rounds. And I guess the adrenaline just got the best of me. I shot right underneath him and he disappeared to never be seen again. Mm -hmm. And it breaks my heart.
0: Well, so, I guess take us through that process. You know, I think, especially for people that are just kind of maybe getting into hunting, or maybe that haven't had a, an opportunity to an animal like that before. What what are you? What's going through your mind after you miss that shot?
1: Oh, failure! <laughs> like I failed myself. Practice, yeah. you know, year round and, train for this and, have all the best equipment. You save your money to buy the best things and I burned all my vacation time not with my family but with my buddy to hunt an elk and I waited six years for this tag and it's just a lot of mind games but like you were saying we sat on that hillside in the sunshine and there were other bulls bugling and you know it still haunts me but I still had a great time
0: Yeah, I ended up
1: killing a five by five the last night of the season. Got meat put in the freezer. But so you
0: were you were still successful?
1: Oh yeah, and I mean it was like down to the wire. But I this shot bowl I shot at four hundred eighty yards.
0: Nice. So What? what?
1: So after you missed that big
0: bowl, and you know, I guess you know, looking back, you know preparation, as far as, you know, everything, you know, so oh, sorry, I think I lost you there for a second you There,
1: You, you were cutting out there for a second. Okay.
0: So as far as, you know, you, you miss a, uh, an opportunity to a really nice animal like that. Um, and we both know that, you know, most people know that preparation, as far as your success goes, is, 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 is everything, right? So what, you know, as far as missing that bull, you know, you said your nerves got the best, to you, uh, best of you. So mm-hmm. what, kind, what kinds of things did you learn from that maybe that you're going to, you know, uh, work on until you get that next opportunity? That might be this upcoming year um, as far as working on that, that kind of thing, being able to calm down and, and those kinds of things.
1: And that's exactly it. Being able to, you know, sit down, calm down. The bull had no idea we were there. The cows had no idea. Mm-hmm. And, man, he came into this window I mean, he was getting ready to walk into a meadow that was a mile long. Right. And I had plenty of time for a different shot and I got, a. it was an opening. He had his head over his back and he was slightly quartered and I I rushed the shot. Yeah. And patience would have definitely paid off in that deal. Yeah. I, I should have sat down, caught my breath and really focused in and, I just rushed it. And I think that was my biggest fault by far Mm -hmm. was really rushing that shot.
0: So, you know, that's something that I think, you know, if you've been hunting for any length of time, especially if you've guided um, a number of hunts that, you know, you, you know, you can see it in other people when you're guiding them. And, um, you know, for me, I, I, you know, I'm, I think probably most of us were as hard on ourselves or we're harder on ourselves than anybody else is on us. And, you know, those those particular experiences for me personally have really been the what what drives me. So the failure is really what drives me to prepare better the next time. And I don't know if I can't remember if I was telling Shane this story on our podcast. Um, I may have, but I literally I think I was 13 and I was I was sitting in a tree stand and I had a I had a decoy up and. You know, put a bunch of scent out, obviously, for it was you know, right smack dab in the middle of the, the rut. And I had a whitetail, a nice eight point whitetail come up and I was in a ladder stand. And the, the whitetail got so close and we we'd put dough and heat scent out right, literally right below the stand. Deer's body literally brushed up against the stand. That's how close it was. Um, so probably, I don't know, 12 yards away. And I, so I drew my bow back and I I remember now I I didn't anchor my fingers on my cheek. I was, I was so um, nervous. I was so, I was shaken so bad that I, I think I I would say my, my anchor point was probably three inches away from my face. So, so if you know (laughs) that what's going to happen to the arrows, it's going to go directly left, but I also anchored it low so I shot probably five feet over this thing over the head of it at about 12 yards. Okay. So, and this thing, so this thing was rutting so hard that it, it, it actually looked at me. It, it turned its head literally straight up and looked at me in the face. Okay. And this is a whitetail. This, you know, the whitetail don't do this. <laughs> so
1: yeah, the uh, weariest uh, animal in North yeah, America so it
0: runs out to 30 yards. I get another shot off and I miss again by another whoever, I don't
1: know, three or four feet, (laughs) you know?
0: So I, and 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 at that point, obviously it ran off and I am so disgusted at myself. I'm throwing stuff out of the, I'm throwing stuff out of the tree stand. Um, I, I threw my quiver out, you know, and I'm like, I'm never bow hunting for the rest of my life, you know? And I just remember thinking, um, this is, this is ridiculous. I practiced so much and I was 13, obviously, but you know, I, I didn't know what hard work and practice was at the time, but I, I do remember, uh, you know, my dad talking to me obviously and saying, look, you, you know, you just gotta, he, 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 I think he probably knew I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to probably get anything because I there's a certain mindset that goes with that kind of stuff. And, And sometimes you get lucky, obviously, even if you're rattling and, you know, your, your anchor points off or whatever. But, you know, for me, that was a really, a really big lesson. I was the, one of the earliest hunting lessons I learned was, look, I got to figure out how to calm my nerves. I got to figure out how to, you know, be able to, um, you know, calm myself down and get a shot off. And I, I remember thinking like, this is, it is a big deal. But you know, I I, you know, my own mind. I think I was making it too big of a deal in my own mind. But um, really, the the best way to be able to do that is just surely to practice. You know, practice in uh, a number of different environments. Another thing is just hunt. You know, put yourself in that situation as much as you possibly can, um, so you can kind of learn how to calm yourself down. So,
1: oh yeah, like if I'm not guiding. And I don't have a tag during a specific season. I will go out in the woods. And usually because I I like to rifle hunt. I do archery hunt. Especially mule deer. But elk I like to rifle hunt. And I have an old stock. With an old scope on it. There's no barrel. No anything Uh It's for a spotting scope. And I'll go out. And I'll Mm. get in the elk. And I'll focus myself. And I'll learn what they're going to do. I know they're gonna feed into the wind. I know they're gonna check this. I know this cow's gonna be looking mm-hmm. all the time and just try to get myself yeah. in those situations. Yeah. Just because the, that's the you only know, it's way interesting. to know, I mean, It's a
0: concept I've, I've really never heard anybody talk about is that, you know, so, uh, and even, I mean, the more physically demanding the hunt, I would say the more important it is to be able to get out and do that because, you know, if you're, you know, let's say it's a, a you know, a once or twice in a lifetime tag, like a goat, or uh, you know, let's say you, you know you're not uh, somebody that can afford a you know a big time elk hunt on a you know ranch or something, and you have to put in for a long time, and you know, so getting out and actually, you know, obviously a lot of this stuff is on um, public land, but does but it doesn't matter whether you're on public or private, or whatever, right? So, but actually, literally go and try to to get close to the animals. You know, you're not you're not necessarily mm-hmm. hunting as with a weapon. But you know, try to stock up on something. You know, it's like, or you know, bring a camera. Maybe you're, maybe you know, maybe that's something you do. But you know, try to get close and see kind of what the animals are doing.
1: You know what? You know,
0: um, you know. I had my dad.
1: Yeah, work on your technique. Yeah. See what works. Because if you blow the elk right, out, that's right. a big deal. Or if you jump that mule right. deer buck, right. oh well. Like out here where Shane and I live, I'm right. Pueblo West. There are mm-hmm. giant mule deer. And all summer long, they lay on these big shelves that overlook right. Pueblo Reservoir. And I get up in the morning before I go to work, and I'll go ah, I'll go stalk a mule deer. Nice. And I'm a car salesman <laughs> at Southwest Motors, and sometimes right. I'm in my work clothes. And I'll see a big buck bedded up, and I'll pull over, ah. and I'll go sneaking.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, and that's the thing is, like, I, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, we can start looking outside the box a little bit. And, you know, I guess there's no, there's really no, um, I guess, replacement for experience and experience, meaning, you know, you can, you can be 50 or 60 or seven years old. And, you know, let's say you hunt once a year, you know, but you can, you know, like if you're, especially if you're a guide, you know, for me, I did, you know, if you just count actual hunts, meaning how many stocks on animals I I did, you know, just this past fall, I mean, probably 50 or 60, you know, maybe more, I don't know, maybe even more than that. You know, and it's like, yeah, you're getting better each every single time you do that. You're getting better, you know. So, um, and until you mm-hmm. do that kind of stuff, you don't really understand, you know, what the animals, you know, what they're going to tolerate, you know. So, how much sound, what the wind, um, the, you know your your you know all that, you know, the the eyesight, you know, everything that you can think of as far as the their senses going. And actually, every animal is different. Every terrain's different, you know, but. Especially, you know, the area that you're going to be hunting in, going out and learning where the animals are, you know, so if you're not seeing them, we well, go see if there's, you know, droppings, go see if there's fresh tracks. Go, you know, another thing is after snows, it's, I love it when it snows, because I can go out and see, you know, any any track I see is a fresh track. So it's like. Um, I know where, I know, at least know where the animals are right now. They may obviously may not be there, you know, during the hunting season, but, but getting out and just getting um, in tune with the area, getting in tune with the animal and just, you know, again, in, at the same time, you're getting, you probably are you're in an area that you're having to walk maybe up some hills or mountains and you're getting in shape. And um, I really no substitute mm-hmm. for just getting out and getting more experienced you know. So,
1: yeah, on that fitness aspect, you were just talking about like getting out in the woods and everything, even for some guys that let's say they live in Michigan and they can't get out in the mountains. I drive my wife crazy. My wife (laughs) is a sweetheart. And every night I go in the basement, I turn my treadmill on the highest setting and I turn on elk hunting on YouTube (sighs) on my TV. And when they walk, (laughs) I walk. Well, okay. It, yeah. So
0: we, what we can do, we can get into a little specific stuff here. Um, I haven't really got into some with a uh, previous guest, but so there's a, there's a thing in, in strength and conditioning called specificity. So meaning so with let's, we, we take an athlete, let's say it's a baseball player and, you know, as a strength and conditioning coach, the first things I'm looking at are, all right, what are the demands of the sport? And then what are the movements of the sport and then within those demands, what are the metabolic demands? Meaning, is it is it endurance or is it a uh, are you are we in anaerobic? Meaning, more sprinting type things, intense you know interval type things, um, you know. And then movements, what what are the movements that we're doing? Right. So in, in baseball, you're going to be sprinting basically a lot, um, but a lot of rest periods in yes. between each sprint. You know, there's, uh, you know, you're throwing as hard as you can, typically not maybe not 100 percent all the time. And then you're swinging a bat nearly 100 percent. So so the programming is really going to be built around those demands. Right. So so now mm-hmm. what, what is baseball not? It's really not a sport where you're you're at a, a medium intensity, like, let's say, a, um, you know, like a, a marathon runner. I guess that would be a little bit even low, like more low intensity, but basically what you want to do is look at the demands of the sport. So Let's take an elk hunt. Um, for example, a Western elk hunt where, you know, so the demands are, well, you're going to be hiking a lot. So, um, so really endurance is going to be the biggest thing. Now, a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, elk hunters, they do a lot of running. Well, that's great. You know, especially if you're crunched Mm -hmm. for time, um, that makes a lot more sense, but it's not really in line with the demands. Right. So if you want to get,
1: yeah, it's not really in line with, right. So if you want to get,
0: you know, in line as much as you can, it's more just walking and hiking. Right. So, um, you know, and and typically you have some kind of a pack on, right. So so walking Mm -hmm. uphill um, with some kind of load on your back is going to be specificity, you know, and then, the movements and, or even the muscles that you're engaging, are going to be your quadriceps, your your glutes, and your hamstrings and your lower back a lot, right? So, um, so those are just some really simple things to look at. Another thing with uh, with low intensity or, or or walking, so you're actually burning, depending on the incline, you're burning as many calories walking uphill at a certain incline with a load on your back than you are running on flat ground. You know, for the amount of time. Mm-hmm. So another nice benefit to walking is low impact, you know, so you're saving your joints.
1: Yeah, you're not going to hurt your knees. You're not going to roll your ankles. Yeah,
0: so um, those are just a few things, Um, you know, as far as from a strength and conditioning uh, or strength standpoint, uh, there's a lot of different things. But yeah, so you're looking at demands metabolically, and then we're looking at the demands of the movement, right? So in baseball, you know, we would say, all right, we have rotational movement with throwing and hitting, and then a linear sprinting movement uh, when we're running bases and running down fly, a fly ball or something. And there's also, there's also an agility mm-hmm. component in, in baseball where you're going side to side as like an infielder or something like that. So, um, but basically, you know what we're trying to do is is look at a hunt. Now let's let's say you're uh, you know I've done a lot of guiding in eastern Colorado, you know. So and it's funny because a lot of people that we take out don't think that you know that they have to be in great shape. Well. Well, you the thing is, I like, come there. to find out, like, crawling on your hands and knees for 200 yards, it, you know, that's mm-hmm. pretty physically demanding for most people, you know. So, um, and that, not only that, there's the mental part where, hey, I'm going to have to crawl. I, the, I've been, I'm still digging out cactus from, you know, September, you know, in October, um, oh, you yeah. know, because I'm crawling on my hands and knees all the time. But, but as far as the movements go, you know, you're, you're going to find yourself in different, different, uh, positions, like on an Eastern plains Sun, as opposed to uh, a mountain, run, you know, so, uh, so mm-hmm. yeah. So looking at the movements and the metabolic demands, um, are going to be super important. Another thing with even being in shape in general, you know, so if you have a, a lower resting heart rate, which is a, a byproduct of, you know, especially in endurance, an endurance program is that's going to allow you to hold the gun more steady when you're, when you're stressed out or when you're anxious before you take a shot. So there, there are a number oh, of, yeah. uh, I you know, people out there that, you know, a lot of people, even people that have taken a lot of uh, nice animals, they talk about, you know, you don't have to be in great shape to, to, to be able to, you know, kill something nice. And that, that, that's true. I mean, you don't have to be in great shape yeah, sometimes you get, sometimes lucky. You get lucky. But <laughs> I guess the point that I will make to that is the, the the being a good hunter is the most important part, you know. So so being able to be skilled as a hunter, because you can take the the CrossFit champion of the you know, whatever um, CrossFit games last year. And if they've never hunted before, it's not gonna really make much of a difference. You know, um, they're probably not gonna be successful, you know, especially on a harder hunt. So the skills mm-hmm. of any sport are always going to trump the, the physical co- component of it. But, you know, but if you, if you have the the skills and along the same way, you're, um, you're, you're taking care of the physical demands and looking at it holistically, uh, it's, it's only going to make you a, a better hunter. And sometimes I use the example of, uh, you know, like Barry Bonds, you know, when he started using performance enhancing, uh, performance enhancing drugs is, you know, the, the, he was already a great baseball player and now he got, he gets a little bit of help from some, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals. Now the ball that's flying that used to fly to the warning track that he missed now is flying, you know, 50 feet over the fence. And, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the thing that's maybe a weird kind of, example of that, but, um, but that's the same way we want to look at hunting because honey is so far behind when it comes to, uh, strength and conditioning information, that um, you know, I think it's it's really valuable to to have people look at you know. Another thing is you know, I was even you know, Shane uh, he talked about how he he fell he fell a couple of years ago and jacked himself up a little bit you know. And especially if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're in the mountains and you're hunting elk and sheep and goats and you know this kind of stuff, you're you're going across loose rock a lot. You're going you're going to find yourself in situations that are pretty sketchy, and you're going to fall. I mean, like you as a guide, I mean you're you're falling quite a bit, you know,
1: <laughs> is your- Oh yeah. I fell a few years ago and tore a hip you know, so, yeah. and it's still bothering so, me. So that's another days.
0: thing that uh, I don't know that people are really talking a whole lot about is durability, you know, so there, there are ways to, to build yourself, especially your joints stronger and become more mobile and stable in your joints. And all this, all the stuff that, that, um, that I'm, we're going to be talking a lot more about is the same exact things that we do with our athletes, professional athletes, our, our regular clients even that, that, that come in and just want to get in better shape. But it's not just about losing weight. It's not just about performance. It's actually about, you know, being able to do this for a long period of time too, because um, once your joints go, you know, this, this high mountain stuff, you know, it, you're done, yeah, you're you done. Know, at some point. So, but there are definitely ways to prepare physically that um, will definitely help promote that longer, or I guess longevity of hunting in Western states and being able to hike up and down mountains.
1: And what I tell a lot of my hunters before they come out is walk with their backpack, yeah. but also walk with your yeah. rifle. It amazes me on how many people will come out to hunt, and in the first mile, they keep switching that gun, switching that gun, switching right. that gun. And their shoulders are black yeah. and blue from never. They put the sling on, put the gun in the gun safe, and take it out to the range, maybe carry it five or six feet, yeah. and that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, you know, another thing is uh, being able to. So, yeah, especially if you get, you get, uh, and you guys probably get quite a few hunters from the East Coast, and we get a ton from a ton from Texas. Do. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's it's one of those things, you know, the condition's a big part of it. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things you can do even do while you're hiking, you know, as far as stretches go. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of a broad way to say mobility and stability and all this other stuff. But there's a lot of things you can even do while you're, while you're hunting and while you're hiking, you know, hydration, nutrition, you know, all these other things that, you know, endurance athletes already do, um, to help you, you know, alleviate a lot of these other things. But, Um, overall, you know, just being in in as good a shape as you can, especially on those more physically demanding hunts, the better off you're going to be. And and not only that, the better shape you are, you're you're in that the the better opportunity you're going to have to, to get close to an animal. And, uh, you know, if you're on a, you know, a week long hunt or something, uh, I mean, that really starts to kind of, that condition part really starts to pop itself out after the first two or three days especially not not just physically but mentally that's probably even the
1: biggest part um yeah well like with you saying with working out and everything when you work out when it releases those endorphins i feel like the more you work out towards hunting and focus on the hunting aspect when you're out there doing it your mind's already trained a little more in that aspect to where there's some days we'll be glass and elk and I'll be tired and I'll do a few pushups just to remind myself, Hey, you know, get, get some endorphins going and get the blood moving a little uh, more just because it helps my mind. Cause I feel like a lot of hunters fail because they think their body's failing. Oh dude.
0: I mean, I don't think that ever pops up more. I mean, it pops up a lot in a lot of different scenarios with hunting, but you know, glassing, like for me, it's usually, Um, you know, I'm glassing all day (laughs) and I'm just like,
1: yeah, you're burning. Yeah. you start
0: cutting corners, even with your glass and you're like, you start being like, you know, you're not as focused. (laughs) I'm like, you know, you're glassing a hillside or a Canyon or a outcropping, whatever it is. And you know, you just get, you got to hit this whole side and you start cutting corners. And then before you know it, let's say you, you know, the, the the place that you're glassing, the place you got to go next, and then you something out because mm-hmm. you didn't focus enough on, you know, the, the, the glassing part of it, you know, and um, it just, it's one of those things that I never, I haven't heard anybody talk about that. So what you just said, as far as doing pushups, actually jolts your, uh, your uh, um, not your auto, not your parasympathetic nervous system. So what that does is it actually gets your awareness back to where it needs to be. And it actually helps you end up, end up focusing. It's actually a sensory issue. Um, so there's a lot of people that it's, it's mostly in males where um, you start when you start to lose focus, your parasympathetic nervous system starts to shut down. And by doing some kind of physical activity, you're able to then refocus. And that's a, uh, that's a little, kind of just a little trick that, that people do. But, um uh, but yeah, that, 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 that part is a huge, huge, huge piece of being successful, being able to not only stay in it uh, mentally, From, I guess, a grit standpoint, but being able to focus for long periods of time and just reminding yourself, I got to do this because if I don't if I don't glass this whole side of this hill, the chances of me maybe missing something go up every time I do that. You know, Um, anyway, so let's see. I got some notes here. Uh, Oh, Shane, (laughs) Shane told me to ask you if so I guess you have a mullet of some kind. He said, "He told me to ask you if you have a If your mullet makes you a good hunter,
1: <laughs> you know it does." My wife made me cut it off the week before the baby, but it's on its way back. And that was just something me and my buddies. You know, if you drew a big time tag, you were either growing a mullet or you were wearing a handlebar mustache. Whatever one the wife was going to put up with the longest is what nice. we went with. And we have a lot of like our buddy Shane. He is a owner and operator of CNS Kansas Whitetails, one of the premier whitetail places in Kansas. They kill huge uh-huh. deer. And he we he started with us last year during turkey season. We said, hey, until we kill a double-bearded gobbler, we're not cutting bullets. Yeah. <laughs> And he is still standing to this day with a mullet and a handlebar mustache. <laughs> the
0: things that guys will do,
1: man. <laughs> and that's it. It's all, it, you know, and, you know, sometimes you think it's, I guess it's part of the mind game. You know, if I rock this mustache, maybe since I wore it so long, it'll play <laughs> a piece of luck. into the. Handle. You know what?
0: Besides baseball players, I think hunters are the most superstitious people on the
1: planet. And I played baseball in college and everything. I am super super special, yeah, superstitious. <laughs> yep. big time.
0: So- dirty socks, dirty underwear, same hat for years. Yeah, it's there's some funny. Ones. Oh, I have a lucky
1: pair of underwear in my outfit <laughs> back. If it ever is going bad, I'll go change.
0: <laughs> yep, yep, it's funny, man. I yeah, there's a whole bunch of little quirks like that I have too. It's it's pretty funny. Um, so I, I what I, I like to ask every guest, you know. Take us through, uh, you, you know, if you can remember, your most physically and/or mentally demanding hunt that you've ever been on.
1: I uh, went on an archery elk hunt with three of my best friends from Missouri, and those guys trained hard. and We went into this place to get into this big flat top. It's a mile and a half, and you gain. I think it's right around 2,800 vertical feet in a mile and a half. It's straight up switchbacks, misery. Mm -hmm. And once you get up there, it kind of shelves, and then you go up again, and then up again, and then up again. And we killed a bull about four and a half miles back. And that was the most physically demanding hunt I've ever been on. They'd had a huge windstorm to where the timber was falling like matchsticks and of course you know if a bull's gonna die they don't ever die in an easy spot Mm -hmm. and i mean we're moving out of there at two o'clock in the morning with headlights on uh, headlamps (laughs) on and you pick up one foot and then as soon as i could i'm not real tall so as soon as i go to set my other foot down i'd be hitting my groin on every single piece Mm -hmm. of timber and then we go out of there. It's so steep getting back up. You go, it would feel like you took one step forward and slid two steps back. In the so rock. take,
0: could you take us through that kind of the beginning and, you know, uh, was it a, you know, t- take us through like, was it an archery? Was it a, a rifle hunt? Kind
1: of- yeah, it was a, uh, archery hunt. We went out the last week of September and, uh, we had pretty good rain. We started at the trailhead at about 4 a.m. We were going to camp two miles back in. It was where our base camp was going to be. And we didn't get there until about three in the afternoon. It took all of 11 hours to go two miles. And it's to where a guy had gone up that same trail the week before and there was a mule laying down in the bottom. Somebody tried to take a mule up. Wow. And it was nasty. And you're right, almost at timberline the whole time, hunting in the high altitude. So can't breathe for one. Your, every muscle in your body is just shot mm-hmm. to where you take a step and your legs are right. quivering. And you stop for two, three minutes to catch your breath. You go five, six steps, you're yes. out of breath. And everybody probably had 60 to 75 pounds on their backs carrying their bows and a lot of bulls were bugling and we got in on that bull was a great big water hole down in this deep dark drainage that we saw seen on onyx maps and we figured that's probably where he was headed and we went and cut him off down there and one of my buddies was able to get an arrow in him and the bull ran about 150 yards into the nastiest stuff I've ever been (laughs) yeah Wow.
0: So, so you guys got it? Uh, you skinned it, quartered it, and then how long did it take you to get it out of there?
1: Yeah, we skinned it. We did the gutless okay. method, and I think it was about three in the afternoon is when we recovered the bull. We gave him an hour, and I don't think we got back to camp until almost midnight or one wow. in the morning. And with our loads. And we all we took him out. In one and that load. was
0: this past September.
1: Uh, The September before. Okay, I was going to say
0: this last one was a
1: hot one. (laughs) Oh, it was miserable. I was guiding (laughs) elk hunts. You couldn't sneak up on anything.
0: (laughs) Um, Wow. Well, so so let's. uh, We'll go ahead and ask a few more questions. We'll wrap this up, and um, if you don't mind, I'd like to have you back on talk more about some. uh, Oh, I love it. But um, what I I guess what do you think? for you personally has, has really helped you become the best or good of hunters you've become now. And what, and also, what do you think um, you're lacking that, that, maybe you already know that, or maybe you're already working on some things. And I, I guess I'll tell you kind of, uh, I'll give you an example for me. I think um, the, 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 I guess the number one thing that that's made me um, the hunter I am today is just the sheer experience, you know, and, Um, I guess Shane and a couple other friends, you know, I, for about, I had a period of about eight years there between 2000, I don't know, 12 and maybe a couple years ago. Um, I really just focused on work. I was running gyms and, uh, had a lot of stuff going on with family and, um, it wasn't really a focus. And really what I did was I, you know, I, uh, you know, I guided, you know, hunts, my, my hunting was mostly just guiding. Um, I didn't do a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of hunts on my own and the hunts that I did on my own were, were as quick as I could possibly get them done because I I needed to get back to work (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I kind of, you know, started hanging out with Shane a little bit more and some other friends, uh, back here in Southern Colorado. And it kind of, it's kind of reignited me, um, to, uh, my guess reignited my passion for hunting again, which is another reason I'm, you know, doing this podcast and, um, but looking back, I would say probably the passion has really fueled everything. You know, it's fueled me wanting to get better as a, not just a hunter, but as a guide and, you know, the better I can be at guiding, uh, you know, the, the experience for our customers uh, becomes that much more uh, fulfilling and rewarding. And, you know, but I think the passion is really what drives me to, to want to get, a, to be a better shooter, to be a better um person, you know, hunter in general that, you know, I'm much better at stocking on animals than I was even two or three years ago now. You know. Um mm-hmm. and then uh I think the things that I'm lacking, um, I do need a, you know, I was even talking to Shane about this, uh, you know, elk hunting. You know, I haven't done a whole bunch a ton of elk hunting. Um and I've got a lot of points saved up. And you know, you know, Shane,
1: How many you, you know,
0: Shane's like, you know, um, dude, just burn them this year. And I'm like, man, I need to get better at elk hunting. <laughs> I need to get better at elk hunting before I, you know, I think I want to burn all these points. Um, and you know, cause mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to be a lot more confident in my elk hunting skills than, than I am right now. And, you know, if it's pretty much any other species, uh, especially in Colorado, I would feel comfortable doing that right now. But elk, and just one of those things I, I just haven't put enough time in, especially, you know, burning, you know, 26 points or whatever it is I have now, Ooh. but, um, but yeah, so take us through, I, I guess what, what's really kind of the main things that have made you a better hunter or the hunter you are today and the things that you feel like, uh, you can, you can work
1: on more. I feel like what's made me the hunter that I am today is personal experience for one but i think the major one for me is i pick up as much as i can from other people because people have different tricks and different tactics than i would ever do like shane for example uh he takes his shoes off sometimes when he stalks deer i have a pair of deer hide moccasins because i can't stand cactus (laughs) on my feet and you know, I never, I'd seen it before, but I never really knew anyone who did it, and I didn't know if it was just kind of yeah. a gimmick. And I, I learn a lot from other people, like the uh, some of my friends, the Schultz is the old San Cristo Outfitters. Those guys have been killing big bulls for forty mm. years, and anytime those guys sit down to talk, I just shut up yeah. and listen. And I feel like the, one of the main aspects that I can improve on myself would definitely be the mind over matter still for me. Sometimes I can get in my head off of that and think that the wind's wrong or look at the terrain and look at how it is topographically and try to shortcut something instead of going the way I know I should go. And when I guide, I I don't do that. I go the way I know I should go, but when I'm hunting for myself, I'll try to shortcut it like you said so I can get done and I can get home to my little girl and I get home to my wife. And so I think the hurry up to slow down is the aspect. You know, it's
0: interesting you brought that up. And I think the, the one thing I've learned, you know, I'm 30, I think I'm 37 now. Shane asked me the other day, I'm like, I I literally had to sit and think, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm like, I can't even remember my 37 or 38. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I guess that means I'm getting older, but um it you know the thing I've learned, I, I really learned it this last year. You know, guiding guiding the bow hunters and uh, you know just being patience. I think patience is probably the the biggest thing I've learned over the years. Meaning uh, patience, like or like every kind of patience you can think of. So the patience uh, when you have a uh, you're, you're stocking up on an animal and maybe it's bedded down and it's not really in a great position but you maybe can you think you can get a shot off and you know maybe it's just the neck exposed and all you know all this different stuff and um i i know now i'm like just wait until the dang thing stands up you know it's like there's a, there are a few mm-hmm. circumstances where that that may not be the best call but if you're, you're always shying on the patient side, unless it's obviously last day right before dark, you know, those kinds of things. And, and, you know, maybe you, you decide you want to take a chance on something, but um, the last, obviously the last thing you want to do is wound something. But, uh, but yeah, you know, patience in that respect, but just, you know, just being patient overall, you know, I, you know, I'm. You know, early on when I was guiding, I wasn't patient. I was not nearly as patient as I am now with hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had a an antelope hunter this year that you know he. Uh, you know, most of our hunters were pretty. Um, I guess persistent on you know letting them know you know make sure your your gun sighted in and you know I'm sure you guys are the same way. Um, make sure you're mm-hmm. prepared. You know, and I've got a checklist. I even give these guys uh, workout programming. You know, this is what you can expect. These are the shooting positions you can expect to uh to be in, you know, so make make sure you're practicing these shots and these yardages and all this stuff and you know it's, it's even at that you know we still have people that come out and you know I had a particular uh hunter this past year that uh, he said yeah been been practicing. hey you there yep sorry, I don't know what happened there oh you're good i'm actually i'm at a I'm up in wheat Ridge right now I'm in an area where I don't get a whole lot of great service here so okay where where did I lose you at?" Oh, uh, did I talk about an antelope hunt?
1: Yes, yes. We okay. were so right where you were talking about positions you send to shooters.
0: Okay, so um, anyway, I was kind of wrapping all this up into patience, and um, so you know, being patience, obviously uh, waiting for an animal to get up, maybe that's bedded, um, you know. But there's also the patience. Maybe you are as a, as a guide, or um, maybe you're taking somebody else out. But um, but you know. Hunter, this particular one of the hunters I had this last year that missed this antelope, the same antelope, I, I think 20 plus times, some, somewhere in that area. <laughs> that makes and, for a long day. And he, <laughs> so we, it was probably late morning. And then uh, he ended up, it was the third or fourth shot. He hit it kind of in the stomach area and uh, wounded. So, you know, we, I, I saw where it, it, it ran about a quarter of a mile and just bedded down and, You know, I, we sat there for a couple hours and I'm just like, you know, I, I really think that, I don't know if he's going to, I don't know that he's going to die, you know? And so he was in kind of a spot that I felt like we could get close enough. And anyway, we got to about 80 yards and he blew the shot again. (laughs) So this thing, we end up, we end up having to chase this thing. I think it was almost seven miles around this property that we, we have leased out there. And in that whole period, um, you know, I think I, I counted at least, you know, just under 20 different, uh, shots and that's with two different rifles, because at one point he said that, yeah, I think the gun's off and, you know, got another one and it, you're still missing it. And, <laughs> and finally, uh, you know, right before dark, we literally ran this thing to, to exhaustion. It finally just bedded down and, uh, you know, basically let us come up to about 15 yards and, and finish the job. But, um, you know, so that, that was a different kind of a test of patience, but, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those circumstances where you have to use your judgment, whether you're the hunter or the the guide. And, uh, you know, I think when you, you mentioned yourself, it's like, you know, when you're by yourself, it's different than when you're guiding. And I think, I don't know what that changes, but I, I, I kind of, I can kind of relate to that and. Um, a lot of times I think for me, I can relate in that. Oh, I gotta, I just gotta get this. So I I gotta get this done so I can get home.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and I think what's helped me is, you know, back when I played baseball, you know, I crossed those lines, I crossed that line of the diamond, you know, I wasn't, I was, I wasn't thinking about anything else, you know, and, um, you know, I've, I've allocated this time, uh, you know, to what I'm trying to achieve right now. And that's a, it's a hard thing to do. It really is. And, um, but being patient, um, along with you know, I guess you could call it compartmentalizing, um, which is a skill in itself. But being able to to say, look, I'm this is what I'm this is my job right now, and it's almost like a, it's it's a better excuse when you're actually get you're you're doing a job, you know, it's like you know I'm, I'm actually out here guiding, I'm doing this for a living, so it's a lot better excuse, obviously, than it is when you're you're doing something for yourself
1: and. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you know, like I hard. always feel because our elk hunts they're expensive. They're thirteen right. thousand five hundred, right, right? And I always just kind of put myself in their shoes, and I know what I would expect if I was paying thirteen thousand five hundred, right? And so, and I think maybe when I go, I wouldn't say it's more relaxing, <laughs> but I just kind of go at a little slower pace for myself,
0: right? You're you're probably just trying to enjoy it more, right?
1: Yeah, because I don't have the weight of trying to make yeah. somebody's dream come true. Right. To where I'm just ready to shoot an elk. Right.
0: Yeah. No, I can I can relate to that hundred percent. Um, but anyway, man, um anything else you want to add before we get off here?
1: No, I really appreciate you having me on, Bubba. Thank you very
0: much. Yeah man I appreciate it. We'll we'll have you on again. Well, maybe I'll even have both you and Shane
1: on or something like that and Oh boy.
0: We'll have a yeah. <laughs> we'll have a little a little campfire session or something, I don't know. But
1: I'm in. Mean, that guy's got more stories than a book, so.
0: You know, it's funny. I've known Shane for a while and you know these even, you know, uh the people I've already had on, I've known all of them for for quite a long time and you know, I, I, a lot of the stories that, you know, even Shane told him like, dude, I never even knew that about you, you know? And, um, and it was just kind of a, a cool, yeah. Like cool when thing.
1: Shane, I oh, was same thing. I've known Shane for quite a while yeah. and he literally lives. I can see his front door.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And, uh, when he was talking about, you know, going out and pick finding his first shed now, I'd never heard that story. Yeah. And I've ridden for hours in pickups with Shane.
0: Yeah. I think I think it's, you know, because it's an interview and I think what happens is it it's you start thinking about things differently, you know, because when you're just hanging out in a truck, it's not like you're interviewing them, you know, even though when I'm with him, I'm trying to get as much information out of him as I can. You know. But uh but uh you know, I think that's part of it. I think that um I think it's just a different setting. And that's that's another really cool thing about this. I I mean, obviously I know I've known my dad for my whole life and, you know, he's talking about stuff and, um, I actually had to chop the last interview I did with him like in three different parts because it was so long. And I, um, I'm like, man, I just wanted to keep going. Cause I have all these other questions to my dad, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, all this stuff I had no idea about. And, uh, I think it's just, uh, it's a, it's just a really cool kind of way to not only for me, you know, cause I, I love doing this, but. Um, even for you guys to kind of reflect and be like, wow, I didn't really think about it. Uh, like you said, you know, you learn, you, you know, you learn from other people, what we all do. And mm-hmm. I think, and I think to get better at as a hunter um, I think to get better in any way, even as a person, you know, it's, you know, you want to, you want to put yourself around other like-minded people. And, you know, I, I think this is just a really cool vehicle to, to kind of just get some, some people thinking a little bit differently about things and maybe helping people understand like, Hey, this maybe, you know, maybe you haven't thought about, you know, uh, certain things that can make you a little bit better hunter. And, um, I know for me, I, you know, I got caught up in the trophy hunting stuff for a while and, um, you know, that was kind of an end all be all type thing. And now Mm -hmm. it's kind of now, don't get me wrong, I love, you know, taking really nice animals and uh but it isn't it isn't everything. You know, it's kind of a, it's 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 actually becoming a smaller and smaller uh reason for me. And like you said, being with friends and just enjoying the overall experience is, is definitely something that I can say is a much more valuable thing for me than it ever has been. So
1: Yeah, on, um, on my tags I always say I'm a trophy hunter till the second sunset.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Then that so window I, broadens.
1: Know, yeah, that's a, that's a probably, that's
0: part, you know what, that's probably the best way to put it, you know? And I, I think that, you know, you can be a trophy hunter today. Like, I mean, there, there've been times, you know, over the past, really, since I've been guiding a lot where I, I just, you know, there was a, a couple of days there a couple of years ago. I'm like, you know what? I just said, you know, I'm going to be a trophy hunter for a couple of days. I'm just going to, I have some time. I'm going to wait for, you know, nice, uh it was a nice antelope at the time. And, uh, you know, I end up killing the. I end up killing the biggest antelope of my life, you know, just because I decided, you know, I waited for a few more days. I, I passed up on probably a dozen different antelope and, um, you know, so I think you can be a trophy hunter at times and maybe it's time you don't have really the, maybe you don't have the time to, to put, a, you know, all that time in. Mm-hmm. Um, So I, I, I think that, you know, I think that, you know, people don't really think about it like that enough. But anyway, uh, but I'll let you go, man. I appreciate you getting on and we'll have you on again. And uh, uh, yeah, really appreciate your time, man.
1: Anytime, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Take care, Max. You too. Bye-bye.
0: Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, If you guys want to check out, we have an Instagram page. It's hunt underscore harder. We also have a Facebook page, Hunt Hunt Harder, and you can also follow me, uh, it's actually Randall Bubba Path on Facebook, and then also on Instagram, Stonecutter SP. And uh, yeah, so there's some, uh, we're all all, eventually gonna have um, all uh, social media platforms and website and, Uh, We'll be rolling out training programs here shortly. So if you guys have any questions, you know, obviously reach out to me. Um, If you have any suggestions as far as guests, if you have any suggestions as far as sponsors, um, any of that kind of stuff, any ideas whatsoever, actually, uh, just reach out and um, be happy to consider whatever you uh, or whatever questions you have. Take care, guys.